It was the year of fans. The year of newbies. The year we reviewed the show with love. It was the year of predictions. The year of great feedback. The year of puns. And the year of memes. It was a new season. It was a podcast of future history. It was the year absolutely nothing changed. The year is 2015. The show down below. Okay, yeah, so yeah, thanks for joining us, and we had to reschedule, so what made you pick episode 422? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's so unique and different than anything else out there, so I thought, eh, let's give this one a try, yeah. 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 Cool. So today we are here to discuss episode 22 of season 4, The Deconstruction of Falling Stars, but first, here's an ISN special report. It has been five days now since the end of the Earth Civil War, the death of President Clark, and the birth of the new Interstellar Alliance. What can we expect for the future? Who will be put on trial for war crimes? What is an independent Mars going to look like? And what type of leader will John Sheridan make as president in peacetimes? We want your waves now. Tell us what you think, and we'll put it on air. 2362. Welcome to the coverage of the 100th anniversary of the ISA. And here at Tuznor, the capital of the ISA, on member celebrations are in full swing. And along with the festivities, we'll be bringing you interviews with Ranger One, who will be talking about her plans for the Rangers now that they have discovered several new spacefaring races. 2762. This is General X. Repeat again. Who is this? This is Chief Warrant Officer Michael Garibaldi, serial number B17L98. Waiting on confirmation. Security code, peekaboo. Screaming, Barry, Jesus, this is genuine. Computer, authorization code, Bieber is my leader. Precision strike on enemy facility now. In Valen's name, let me be right. 3262. Dear Jacquel, I miss you, my love. Earth Patrol is such a lonely duty for a ranger. Six months I've been here. Arranging convenient day drops of tech for the locals. I know it's the right thing to do, and that there are so few of us humans left out here in the black. But sometimes I wonder what it's all for. We'll only go and blow ourselves up again. And then, I think of you, and that holy book of yours. Oh, 
<laughs> that reminds me. That weird mark you can never figure out on what page number is it again? Well, I stumbled upon some old records, and you'll never guess who made it. It was that great skeptic, Garibaldi. He spoke coffee whilst he was reading the first issue. Can you believe it? Anyway, I think I'll have some free time soon, and hopefully I can see you back on Narnia. What a lovely place it is nowadays. Audio files ready. Attention, solar activity increasing as increased sensors, picking up transmission from alternate reality. Down below, past archives accessed and added to records. Welcome everyone to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. It's Science Pitch. Hello. Hey. I'm Tom. And I'm Matt. And this is It's Science Pitch, or a promo for It's Science Pitch anyway. We pretty much talk about science and pop culture and what have you, in a kind of funny way. If it's geeky and can be linked to science, we'll find a way to get it in there. So you can listen to us on iTunes, where most podcasts live, Stitcher, TuneIn, and you can find us on Twitter at BinaryWomb. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. So give us a listen. It's Science Pitch. The Deconstruction of Falling Stars originally aired October 27, 1997. Yeah, this was the episode they had to film when they were rescued for cancellation. They needed a new finale all of a sudden. Yeah, so it was kind of filmed at the start of Season 5. Yeah. So they kind of already knew what Season 5 was going to be, and they just put this in there. Well, JMS, when he wrote it, knew some of what was going to happen, but not every... Well, he had an idea of what was going to go on, but as he says later in the episode, when they when we've got the scene from the camera that takes place in a certain episode, he says it was kind of tricky trying to write that as if he was writing that episode and then having to reintegrate it later on when he did write the episode. So it kind of... If you get what I mean, it's... I think they used the money for the series before they started full production of the series, if you get what I mean. It was the first one filmed, but they might have had um, a short gap between that and the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, but I was just, oh, do you feel like it looked different? Oh, that's hard to, <laughs> that's hard to say. Um I mean, I guess I, I didn't really notice anything spectacularly different other than the fact that it was completely different in, in plot and everything. Okay. Um, but I was just wondering, like, if he already had a plan for season five. Oh, like, yeah. He would have already had a plan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Of hints of it in this episode. <laughs> Oops, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I know what I hope it's going to be. <laughs> well, um, actually, we might as well get into this now before we go any further. He always had those five years planned out, what was going to happen in those five years. Then, ten years either side of those five years, he had planned in good detail. Then, a hundred years either side, he had planned in rough detail. A thousand years either side, he kind of had sketches of what he thought was going to have happen. And then, a million either years either side, he had a vague idea of what happened if you get what i mean so he had a time yeah he he had a timeline future idea yeah well and past he had had two million years of yeah of history essentially Mm -hmm. that just got 
more complex as it, as it got closer to yeah yeah as it got closer to what happened in the series. So it was directed by Stephen First, our beer, who oh, was directed right. the Illusion okay. of Truth. Everything yeah, was. yeah, and um, JMS was saying how disappointed um, First always got at getting these episodes because they're always the episodes that kind of have to be st- statically directed and he couldn't really do much in terms of direction. You know, he didn't couldn't put much flair into it. Uh, it was written by JMS, and oh, okay. Um, so let's move on to the recap. Yeah, on the commentary, uh, JMS said that this kind of came about because he has a background in theater, and it's all about theater is all about playing with form. So that's kind of what he wanted to do with this episode. Yeah, yeah, and he also mentioned that uh, also at the time of writing this, he was considering what else he could do with the Babylon Five universe because. He was coming towards the end of actually writing Babylon 5 as a series and thinking about whether there was anything else you could do in the universe. One of the things he had as an idea was to do a series of short stories and kind of present it in almost this format of someone looking back a million years in the future. But it just ended up as one episode in Babylon 5 instead. Yeah, so it begins with... Dylan and Sheridan back on B5 after their wedding and Garibaldi. Well, somebody painted a giant just married on the side of a spaceship. That must have taken forever. <laughs> I wonder... Yeah. Well, I was just thinking whether the human rangers did that. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So this was shot early in season five, so it was kind of like a celebration with everybody being happy to see each other again. You know, the show's continuing. Yeah. That's why, you know, it was like a real party. Oh, it was and shot for season five? Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah right before. Yeah. That's so, why um, Sheridan's beard's neater and fuller. <laughs> and a few other details like that, you'll notice, are slightly more... Um, detail that they were at the end of um, last episode. Um, and Londo's wondering why everybody's so happy because this is how the Centauri celebrate funerals because their weddings are somber. And Sheridan and Delenn talk about celebrating and Sheridan wonders if people will remember them in a hundred years. And this is where we see that this is from an ISN broadcast. Yeah, oh, before we go too much further, the whole thing of the Centauri marriage idea. I doubt any geek has done a Centauri marriage like fans have done. Um, what's it? Um, Jedi oh, marriages. And, yeah. yeah, I don't think anyone would have done a Centauri marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it, it no. Just, no, no <laughs> one Sounds would, depressing. To, yeah. That's how yeah. I usually am at weddings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 like, why am I here? I want to be somewhere else. Can we get to the reception? Um, uh. anyway. Yeah, and we see there's a viewer watching this footage, and there's something causing interference, and the computer loads up the sequence. You know, now, I had forgotten that it took Sheridan and Delenn this long to get married. I thought they were married uh, oh, right. sooner <laughs> in the show. <laughs> I'm glad we Remember? didn't have to see the actual wedding, though. Yeah. So that's, that's a plus. Probably yeah, but... <laughs> no, no, we didn't take proof be fairly quickly because of my impression is it was a secret Earth-style marriage aboard the White Star 
probably in the Membari Eyes. They're not married yet. They've got another ten ceremonies to go through at least. Yeah, we would have had to see their vows. I would have barfed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even from the very beginning here, what um, Sheridan and Delenn say to each other before we cut to the ISM broadcast, this episode is about perception rather than, you know, what what the real events were. The, they're about the perception of, of the events, everyone else's perception and Delenn's and Sheridan's. Mm-hmm. Then we get the opening credits, and I had read that Ivanova wasn't in the opening credits, but it had been a long time since I've seen it myself, so maybe she was out of the credits in the original broadcast on TV. Yeah, yeah, because I think they changed a few things on the DVD anyway. Like, um, I think, for example, on some Series 2 DVDs, they, you know, they don't do the um, whole Delane as old Delane, and then Delane with hair. They just could have the one um, opening credits with the um, corrected narration all the way through the series. So after the end of history, we're on uh, January 2nd, 2262, just a few days after the last episode ended. And there is an ISN broadcast, and they kind of reflect on what happened, Selah, what just happened. And Jim Bitterbane, I love that name, Bitterbane. Yeah, that's a pretty good name, yeah. <laughs> he does a report on Sheridan. And these are some real pictures of Bruce Boxleitner that they use in his biography. And they have the- yeah, the interesting, yeah. yeah, the interesting thing that JMS commented on, on our at the time, we had to suspend disbelief. Why would um, Sheridan's uh, baby pictures be in black and white? Whereas now, we use filters like that. We use black and white filters. We take black and white photos. It's a stylized, it's a stylistic choice. Whereas back in the 90s, it was still a, still considered, oh, black and white films were only used, you know, back in the uh, 60s and stuff. Whereas now we use colour. You know, everybody uses colour. Yeah, that's kind of weird if you think about it, but I didn't. Yeah, it really is. So I have a panel discussion with a senator, an author, and a former speechwriter for Clark. Apparently, they were sitting just a few feet from each other in actuality when they filmed it. <laughs> Didn't have enough yeah. to do them one at a time. And uh, like all, all, you know, I think this is kind of fairly realistic in terms of these type of programs. They're all about people with their own agendas putting their own opinions on what's actually happening, rather than actually analyzing what's happening they're just well i want to put forward this point of view so i'm not going to actually listen to what you're saying i'm just going to say my piece yeah, right and it's funny. all just sorry i was gonna say speech writer guy was kind of annoying <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but turn well, on I any mean... cable show yeah <laughs> what i said turn on any cable news show and they just sound exactly like that right now oh i know they just have to fill up the space with with just stuff you know people speculating on what will happen which is pointless you know just people arguing yeah and uh, i mean it's especially true in here in the uk but it's true everywhere once we have heroes we always like to tear them down sure yeah, yeah. it's always tough to watch this kind of thing with actors though because it's just so excruciatingly bad it was kind of yeah. JMS uh, seemed kind of happy with it, but he did say that he um, 
gave them a little more room to improvise than he normally does give actors, and he thought it came out pretty well, but I thought it was kind of bad. Well, it wasn't was, as bad as the next one, but it he was, was worried bad. that it'd be talking heads, but he thought, right, we've already, you know, we're, this is, we're filming Series 5 here, it doesn't matter anyway, I'm going to do what I want, and I want to do this style of program, you know, storytelling. It's interesting that he chose to do it this way instead of having actual news reports of of things that actually did happen. Instead of, but instead he has uh, just a bunch of people talking about things and speculating. Um, yeah, I think some so it, of that might have been budget reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll that it does because apparently the thing that ate up all the budget is the uh, monks' quarters later on. Um, what what about the budget on the monks' quarters? Most of the budget, budget went on, on it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, and the funny thing is as well, uh, what's it that he got um, complaints from people saying they couldn't access the hypertext. People pressing on the screen to access the hypertext. <laughs> oh my. Yeah. Apparently a lot of people missed the beginning of the episode and saw this news program was going to just change the channel. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a Babylon 5. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, yeah, this whole episode is basically tearing down to what they did on B5 and what Sheridan did. So, yeah, they, well, half of it is, and then, you know, you got the last half where it's, beca- they've literally become myths and legends. But still being torn down, you know, in a way. Yeah. But that, as I said, it's all about perception and, you know, you know, a couple of days after this huge thing is formed, people's perception in the media, especially, is very negative towards it because it's unproven. Uh, it's got no track record. You know, we've got to be really skeptical. We, it's the whole idea of we in the media have to be skeptical because who else will be? But I would think that people in general would be because if you think about it from a person's perspective on earth this just came about <laughs> they have no clue what's going on on babylon 5 and then all of a sudden they come and they say okay we've created this coalition of worlds and here's our president and we're going to be doing stuff and oh by the way we're going to you know run these warships past you know the capital and we're basically forcing you to do it or you're not you're going to be shut out of you know galactic and i don't know it was just it's just there's no preamble to it it just sort of Happen. So I would assume that people would be questioning it and skeptical and mm, under- yeah, well, not being especially there. especially on Earth, know. I suppose. Yeah. I think that's because outside. Sorry, I said I think that's a very good point, and she's absolutely right. Yeah, because you know they're excommunicated from all the stuff that was happening on Babylon Five. They're they're yeah. on that. So now we're January second, twenty three sixty two, a hundred years in the future. And the reason the background is black is because they ran out of money and couldn't put up the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, they're pretty... really scrimping. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, it's kind of an extra episode, really. Um, and yeah, this is, and this is meant to be an educational broadcast. Yeah, another panel discussion. Kind of wish they didn't do another panel discussion. The guy right. in this discussion was, he played somebody named Collins in two episodes of Buffy. And when it was yeah, Avengers. so those were the um, the people you that know came what to could... get faith. I oh, mean, faith. the council people. 
that came yeah. to get faith after she came back out of a coma, I think. I think so. Um, I think what could have made this better, if this had actually been, if they had actually filled this on location almost in a lecture hall and actually had re- changed it up so you have a couple of, um, what's it, uh, actors in the audience playing students ask with an ask and answer thing with a couple of um, lecturers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, that's true. That's true. (laughs) It discussed money, but you might have been able to figure it out better if he had written it like that. So this was what, like a, it was broadcast, a lecture that was broadcast to various... Yeah. I don't even know what. That was apparently monitoring. We've got got something in the UK called the Open University, and uh, basically... At certain times, usually, you know, usually at midnight because people can record it and watch it during the day or go on to iPlayer and watch it during the day. Um, we broadcast educational programs, um, for, you know, this thing called Open University, which people is basically a university course where you learn from home and occasionally go and see, um, what's it, lecturers and, um, tutors. Uh, with a small group of people, but most of your work is at home, watching a TV program or reading a book or researching online, doing the work yourself at home. And I think this is a similar idea. Yeah, so these people are basically what's saying that Sheridan didn't really make a difference by himself. It was kind of everything together. Yeah, and this is basically JMS... um, you know, poking at the type of people he really did, doesn't like in academics. You know, he doesn't. He said he didn't really like um, education in, from the in this method, and um, ac- the academics just trying to say um, things are inevitable, and the force of humanity is what moves us forward. And you know, we've got to analyse everyone in history because everyone's got their flaws and. You know, that's, you know, there's no such thing as heroes. Yeah, yeah and then... <laughs> I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just saying, they're just saying that Sheridan's just the worst and everything was all PR. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they do but Yeah, that whole... he was a megalomaniac. Yeah. That was funny. The whole thing is most of, uh, especially when you've got historians who are looking at more recent history from 100 years ago or from 50 years ago, they're the ones who tend to put more bias uh, from their point of view on what these people were doing. Even, and it, there you go back even further. It is, you know, you've got bits and pieces from history of what this person was doing, and then you impose your own belief systems and your own biases onto these people. Now, this is yeah. where we see that scene footage from Babylon 5 and... Sheridan drops a name in there at some point. Yeah, Captain Lockley. <laughs> I don't remember Captain Lockley being mentioned in this episode before, so I just We'll find out who Captain Lockley is later. Oh, this is the scene with Garibaldi? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember a Captain Lockley, him him mentioning Captain Lockley, okay. He did very briefly. And uh, this Captain is Captain Lockley won't negotiate with terrorists, that's all he said. And uh, okay. we were told this is a telepath incident. Well, actually, we weren't told that, I don't think. Yeah, we were. Oh, I thought we were. They had mentioned the telepath community or whatever it was on telepath 
organization. That's why I got confused. You see, they said the telepath community of Babylon 5 was a problem, and then they showed this clip, and I just put the two together. Yeah. I mean, you can infer it, I guess, but it wasn't specifically stated. Did we find out that Sheridan died 80 years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. let me just He's... say that I was very mad if you didn't listen to the commentary. I was very mad <clears throat> that they were just talking about the telepath war. Because <laughs> I want to see it so bad. Yeah, I, so, <laughs> I was like, you better not be just doing this telepath war in two sentences. That's not fair. I had to put up with a lot of stuff <laughs> to, get, <laughs> to get here. And her talk about they don't they don't believe that Delenn is still alive, but of course she has to show up. <laughs> oh my god! Entrance. This was the worst. Oh my god! I mean, it was so bad that it was funny. It was so. It was like she's just waiting. She's just waiting to hear. And then she, how did she even get there? I mean, does it make any sense? JMS says that, yeah. Yeah, basically, you just this is the part where he says you just have to kind of buy it. This is the only time I really cheat. You know, you just have to kind of <laughs> suspend disbelief. Ugh. I mean, really, this is like, does she just show up when people are talking about Sheridan a different? Apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is like just waiting for them to uh, say something bad. No, this is so Google. ridiculous. She's got Google alerts set up. I kind of uh, believe she she was there for another reason, you know. Sure. Her, you know. But how old? His name three I wonder times. how old. Yep, exactly. It's the Bloody Mary, but it's it's for Sheridan. Just say Sheridan's name. She three could times. be there with um. She could be there visiting us with her grandchild. We do know that. Yeah, that's. Earth. Were, yeah, they were on some like research planet or university bubble or something because it said live from something or other it said it was coming from some university or something yeah i thought it was a different planet is this the scene where they mention their son they yeah. do make yeah they mention that incident something. with their son yeah. but then they go very quiet well we we can't we're not talking about that that at the moment we don't talk yeah about they didn't <laughs> but they do say there was an incident with their son Maybe that's why she mm-hmm. came, because somebody was talking about her son. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so I don't like this scene at all. And it makes me feel sad for Delenn. Like, is, is this what she does in her old age? Is just go around <laughs> the it, it It's like someone yeah. finding out people online on Trolls Online or something like that. It, there's, she's more distinguished than that, I feel like. Right. It's been 80 years, okay? You know, it's a thing she needs to, like, just have a peaceful retirement and and go out, you know? On her yeah. own. But she kind of like shamed them with like that look. And I kind of. Oh, very yeah. much. I kind of felt yeah, uncomfortable that was... <laughs> with the looks on their faces. I mean, yeah. Shame. Shame. That's how you would act in that situation. You can't really start fighting with her. I know. Mm. Well, the one guy tried to. He I know. He tried. And then she gave another look of. <laughs> guy's a dick. Like, how do you feel? <laughs> cool I mean, essentially, the, that program completely did the wrong thing. They have. I mean, it, it's bad in what they're saying anyway, but they should have had two people from opposing views on history in, instead of having the host and then two other people who have the exact same opinion on history. Yeah. That's bad. That's bad. Um, 
anything bad education and bad programming all together in one there's the counterpoint yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. or maybe that is just the prevailing idea of sheridan at this maybe he's meaning to to show that that's the prevailing idea of him you know not that there's a, a big faction that supports him maybe maybe pretty well, much no, they, they say there's a faction that's that they say there's there's a group that that still say yeah he's a good guy but uh, it's a minority the, right it's like a apparently, small, yeah 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 like this is how he's being interpreted, and there's really nothing you could do about it. You know, you just the, have the to... interesting thing is Delenn's appearance here and her withering scorn of what they're saying is then kind of what kickstarts the minority becoming the majority opinion over the next five hundred years, apparently. Oh, okay. Uh, because by the time we get to the next bit, it, it looks like. Sheridan and Delenn and the others are seen in a good light again, apart from the group we're dealing with, which is, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> Let's go there now. Um, <laughs> uh, next we're January 2nd, 2762, 500 years in the future. And I guess when I, the first, maybe the first couple of times I saw the episode, I never really directly connected this section to the next one. So it was another interesting movie. All right. It's all right. You know, it's one of the things I really liked um, when I first saw it is the fact that, you know, we are seeing future history and the events are connected and they, you know, they influence one another, even if they're, you know, not your typical scenes. It's future history. You're watching future history play out in front of you. Yeah. So apparently this group of anti-alliance people are programming... Uh, holograms of our B5 crew to deconstruct them and discredit them. Uh, apparently they want to expand the, uh, they want to expand from Earth, but the Alliance is making it hard for them. Expand. Yeah. They want to expand in the way, you know, Germany wanted to expand in the 1940s. Yeah. 30s. Well, it, it seems like there were two factions on earth one that was supportive of the alliance and one that wasn't and they were basically at odds and both wanted resources and one played a little bit more by the rules than the other one yeah um and then i mean i can imagine that this far into the future resources would be i mean horribly scarce as they are now um yeah my impression is you know the factions were spread well beyond earth but they were centered on Earth, and we're so at, centered on Earth. On Earth yes, yeah. But so let me try to understand what he was trying to do. So he was trying to basically program these holograms to make it appear and record them in order to make it appear that they were evil. <laughs> evil okay, and yeah, then what was going to happen with these? And and how can you? They were make, trying to make propaganda to make it look like. The founders of the Alliance were these horrible, horrible people, and we should never be in the Alliance yeah. because they're actually the evil empire. Right, but... <laughs> so if they were recording this to show, why were they all having... that? Why would they have all the holograms just stand there in the background? It just well, seems I, really no, odd. No, it wasn't. It wasn't... This what, this, what they were doing right now, wasn't for show. This is... Him recording an example of what they could use for his 
um, higher ups essentially is he had the idea to create this these um, hologram propagandas. This is the first test, and oh. I'm going to film this for my for my bosses so, so that I can see it works. So I, that I, after, I, go ahead. Sorry, I, I, I no, I don't think that's right because remember he says you're about to pre-launch an attack later with Garibaldi. Oh and, yes, but yeah. but that wasn't. I reckon this, you know, essentially he would have made these, send them to his bosses, and then his bosses would have said yes. The next day he would have come in and recorded the ones that were meant for broadcast. But Garibaldi set it up so everything was broadcast. So what are right. we going to say? We found this undiscovered footage of Sheridan and his crew and <laughs> nobody's ever seen before. I mean, they would have already basically... I don't understand the point of it. They've already... In one hour, they were going to be basically taking out a bunch of civilian targets and looking like the evil people that they are. <laughs> and what were they just going to use that to say, well, look, these people were evil too? Well, they probably would have used the same argument everywhere uh, that's always been used of, ah, uh, no, that that um, civilian target actually had secret military bases on them. Yeah, but that was that's not text of the. I mean, that's not text of. But what that we're would seeing. have been good. Those would have been good facts rather than true facts. <laughs> real. You know, real facts. They, yeah, yeah. True, good facts rather than true real facts. Yeah. They would. They wouldn't have let people know that. You know, they wouldn't have let their population, let's say, know it was a civilian target. Everyone else would have known it was a civilian target. I mean, I guess if we're just obviously speculating, but um, yeah, yeah, it just didn't seem like a well-oiled, thought-out. Well, I mean, I guess maybe he wasn't really well thought out. It was just a weird. A weird scene. I like mm. Garibaldi's last line. It kind of got to me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I love how Franklin touching the heads was part of his evil Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's kind of ironic here is that it's Garibaldi, uh, what's it, using paranoia and, and stuff to subvert someone else in what they're in do. Given what happened to him last season, that really is kind of paranoid. I mean... Yeah. Uh, ironic, you know. Uh, In the commentary, he said that Bruce enjoyed playing a bad guy because he doesn't get those kind of roles very often. And you saw him when he was talking, he was making some Hitler-esque hand movements where he was, like, waving his arm. He studied Hitler before he started doing this little thing. Yeah, you could tell in the way he delivered the lines as well how he inflected different words and, you know, some of them were said quietly, others were shouted. Richard Biggs didn't really like being the evil doctor, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no comment. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, Jeremiah also said that, uh, you know, in his universe, there's no real happy endings. You know, it's, it's like um, our, our world, really. But things keep on going and things change and, you know, I think it was um, bad times are only around for a while. What is it? It's, I think it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith where he says, um, happy endings for stories that just haven't finished yet. I, was like, mm. I used to love it. I always say I was 
really dark and when I saw that movie. <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was in a bad place. Um so next my dog is snoring really loud. Um <laughs> next we're January second, thirty two sixty two, a thousand years in the future. And this yeah, this seems the reason why they were broke for a lot of the episode. <laughs> I think he said uh, this was Jakar sale redressed. Yeah, yeah, he did say that. Um they were broke because they had to buy a lot of props? Yeah, because they had to build a set. And build build a set. Of... Man, they had a very low budget, I'm guessing. <laughs> I think for this episode in particular, they had a real low budget. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they're, they're saying, right, we want to write this episode to wrap up season four, but using your money on an episode that's not going to be broadcast on your network. Yeah, and, and they had shot an episode before this which we will not see until the end of episode five now. So they also spent a lot of money on that. So <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? So I'm sorry. Are you saying that the new network paid um, for this episode? Right. It Why would they out, do that? Uh, it came out to series five's budget. Yeah. So it already finished season four. So, But it doesn't necessarily mean the network paid for it. The producers um, could have paid for it. I just ate the cost, or... Hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know. That seems a little weird. That, I mean... Hmm. Well, all we, know, all we know for certain is it was filmed at the start of season five. We don't exactly know where the money came from, to be fair. Yeah, that seems that seems really odd to have uh, one network pay for an episode that will air on another network. Um, unless, unless they were able to air it on their network as well. They did. Well, uh, they did, but they did get the rights to all the old episodes. Cause that's how I saw seasons one through, well, most of three. Cause I think it was around the time season five debuted, they started airing old episodes five nights a week. <laughs> of course, I saw what I saw on, uh, through a combination of, um, videos and uh, broadcasts on Channel 4 in the UK. Channel 4. Hmm. Says Brother Alwyn and Brother Michael, the younger monk, is having a crisis of faith. Yep. He's just wondering. So the great burn was that explosion we saw the last scene. Well, no, I think that was the start of the great burn. You know, I think a load of other missiles were fired more or less at the same time. Yeah. Apparently new holy books were written after that and Michael thinks it's too clean and wonders if all these people like Lorian and uh Sheridan and Deland even existed. They can't They do also stuff. mention they do actually mention Marcus as well, so Yeah. Um, <laughs> did they mention him or did he just appear in a drawing? I think I think they say I think they say Marcus the Strong. Oh, okay. Uh, Ivanova was the strong. Oh, I thought she was the brave. Oh, might, it might be Marcus. It might be Marcus the brave and above the strong, or the other way around. Um. Yeah. So anyway, Alan says he can't help Michael. That's what faith is for. Apparently, one of these lines. I'm not gonna. The one about faith sustains is used by a lot of churches and religious organizations. And oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, JBS said. Yeah, sometimes they give me credit for it. Sometimes they don't. But it's okay. I mean that's like that's sort of the 
one of the bedrocks of which religion is founded. And you have to have faith to believe in a lot of myths and, and religion and, you know, holy tales because there's all proof for everything. And it's interesting that this guy has chosen the life of, uh, whatever, um, monk or whatever he is. And yet, and he's fairly young and yet he's yeah. having a crisis. He's like, Oh, if they don't come in the next year, you know, it's just an interesting <laughs> that he's having must, this crisis, but still, it must be a hard life to live. Living yeah, in a no television. No, they probably have well, television. No, no, no. Trying to, you know, trying to scout, scavenge around, uh, for bits of tech that you hardly understand and, eking out a subsistence level living whilst half the time people telling you you're crazy. Apparently Valen the Third said that the Rangers will come. No Delen Valen the Third? No, they said Delen the Third. It was Delen the Third. Oh god, can you imagine? There's like three of them. Wait, does that mean that their son had a a child? No, uh, I think it just means that um well, just... I think it. No, I think it means either one of two things: either in the church, you know, this uh, Catholic esque church they belong to, the some of the popes have been called Delenn as a holy name, and one of those was Delenn the Third, mm. or um, sometime during Delenn's um, family tree, there's been another two Delenns. They don't have to come one after another, just... Well, that know. would have to mean that their son had a child, though, if it was the family tree. Yeah. Didn't have yeah, any other kids, as far as we know. As far as we know, no, yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they, their son must have had a uh, child of his own. I think the Pope thing <laughs> fits much better for Delenn, though. Um, it's purely guessing. I always watched it thinking it was the Pope thing. Was mm-hmm. I always took it. Oh, yeah, she was. She had her pope moments, um, and we know there was a female pope, right? So right. yeah, mm-hmm. at some yes. point. Yeah. So Michael leaves, and Alwyn talks to the camera, sending a message to, I guess, the other. Yeah, people. I know you were wondering what these uh, numbers Roman were, but numerals, they are cameras. Yeah. yeah, they're Roman numerals. For which camera they're on? <laughs> Oh, okay. That's yeah. That's so you're switching between cameras, and you've just got the Roman numerals saying which oh, camera okay. it is. Yeah, boring yeah, ranger outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. My, yeah. My impression is yeah. Um, what's it? He he might have been born on Earth, but like um Michael, he he was kind of brought up and then got to a certain level and then revealed that yes. There's rangers out there. Then he was taken off her for training and then came back to her. I think, you know, remember, I, I reckon there's still a few humans out, out in the stars, uh, working with the Interstellar Alliance. Um, but the majority of humans are now on Earth. Well, okay. It's kind of interesting that, and I'll see if I can articulate my thoughts here. It's interesting because JMS is an atheist, yeah. right? 
So the stuff he's saying about faith, and I could see that coming from an atheist, but at the same time, the the stories that they're that that are in their holy books or whatever are pretty much true in this universe. So their faith is warranted to some extent. Now about the Rangers coming back, I don't know if he is trying to say that if that is made up or if they're actually going to come back because they're still out there. Well, no, they they have already come back. We know because Elwood, brother Elwood, he's a ranger. Like Elwood said, they come back in ones and twos. They, they maybe, maybe they never left and they've been guiding humanity for the last 500 years, slowly helping them. So that's what that was supposed to mean? Yeah, no, because he had a ranger uniform. Oh, okay. Because it like to me, it could have been anything. It could have been him. Fa- he found a ranger uniform somewhere. Um, no, because, I did not take it that way. Okay. Yeah, because in the end, he's actually creating a video report for the rangers, saying, "You basically in the end, he's saying we've got the parts for a automobile. You know, a um automobile. Um, we just need the fuel. Can he fabricate?" Wow, that's a drum for it, but make it actually look like it's old. I'm just imagining that scene as him being kind of insane and pretending to be a ranger, just recording videos for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> just found an outfit and you know, Elizabeth. Oh, I never thought of it like that before. <laughs> no, I haven't, but that's funny. With with the whole religion thing and, and JMS and, and trying to make it not my thing to question anyone else's religion, but I think like that subject more than anything throughout all Babylon five, I I feel like you can see JMS working his own thoughts out through the show and, and they can be kind of contradictory at times. And and I think that's just him processing everything himself. Uh, And life is contradictory anyway. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And he's, he's pretty respectful of religion in general, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in his work, yeah, I mean, he sees it as it could it could be obviously people could use it for bad ends, but there's a lot of noble people that truly believe in their religion on the show. Um, and it's and it's not seen in a bad light. So he's definitely interesting. Yeah, this is where he said in the commentary: some people love this episode, some people wonder what the hell's going on. <laughs> yep, yeah. I think we've got a split here. Um, on the podcast as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I reckon here as well is not just Rangers infiltrating this religion on its own. I reckon there's lots of other organisations that are trying to do similar things, and you know that some are also religious. You know, they've got their own variation of the faith, but others, you know, they're say secular. They they're non-religious, but they're doing similar things, and rangers have infiltrated them to a degree as well. I don't like this idea of them keeping us out of the stars and gradually building us back up over what, like a thousand years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Who that. are they to? Well, I guess that's always been the case, right? Deciding, yeah. you know, like the Vorlons did it. You know, deciding what kind of knowledge goes out there, you know, who's worthy well, of it. Yeah, but also I reckon, as I said, there's still, there were still a few humans out there and they probably had a deciding say in 
yes, if humanity as a whole is actually going to stop going through these cycles of destruction, we've got to get back to a high level of technology and society. So they've probably said, right, let's let it develop naturally, more or less, but help help support them. Well, well, they say it too. They say that humans are burnt, are blaming science for the great burn. So that's yeah. why they're slowly bringing it back. Oh yeah, because you would. Yeah, but you that's know, like it, a that is a very typical response from primitive peoples because it's something they don't understand. So yeah. science is like basically like magic. It's like bad. Um, yeah. And in theory, I mean, that is what happened. The Earth did not explode for natural reasons, you know, or whatever. The, the cities were not destroyed naturally. Um, they were destroyed with scientifically based weapons. Oh, um, my word. Um, <laughs> how many times has um, San Diego been bombed at this point as well? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a wasteland, by, you know, back in... Um, What's it, 2260? But 500 years later, it's only just recovered and then it gets hit with another load of bombs. In theory. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe maybe San Diego wasn't hit and it's like thriving right now. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, you know, at this point, a thousand years later, he's actually, you know, the, what's it, the tropical rainforest equivalent or, you know, of that time period. Excuse just me. The radiation or something that makes San Diego unlivable because you think that. Yeah, we're... well, okay. we have no idea what type of weapons they used um, yeah. in the Great Burn either. Because either it was radiological weapons, but the Rangers were able to basically do something to scrub, scrub clean the atmosphere so people could live in it again, or they weren't radiation based weapons and they just. You know, destroyed all the tech. So I think that if yeah, the city got bombed, especially when it's big as San Diego, they would be like rebuilding it. No, maybe not. Uh, so now we are one million years into the future. Mm. Apparently, somebody is just uh, sabotaging Earth's sun or doing something to it to cause it to go nova. Yeah. Oh, it's that- sabotaged. Okay. Yeah, well, it's supposed to live like a billion. It's supposed to last like what billions of years, but yeah, yeah, we only we only kind of half hear the fact that someone's messing with it. Mm. Wow, that is somebody powerful. But but if we're almost if we're kind of the Vorlon equivalent, then this kind of hints to there's a shadow equivalent out there as well. The interesting thing. I guess this, I have no idea what they were trying to say with that Vorlon. I don't think honestly. we're the Vorlon equivalent. I, I think we're using Vorlon technology, well, but we're not Vorlon like. Well, basically, say we're kind of at the well, we're at the point where Vorlons are where we're guiding the younger race. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely at that point. But if you take a look at the the energy um, form, it's more like the first ones rather than. Um, the Vorlons, because the Vorlons, when they are in energy form, they're either a being of light that reflects, you know, the lower races or younger races or their squids. Whereas when he, he, humans at this point, 
well, I'll get on to my other theory after this, but humans at this point shift between a physical form and an energy form that's a ball of light. That's what Lorient did. We kind we kind of elevated to an energy form that's kind of more like um Lorient I completely race. missed that. So he was he he transformed himself into an energy form? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, to be honest, this la- the last five minutes, I was not paying as much of attention as I should have. Basically, but... they're saying at this point, humans are energy beings and we're using Vorlon-like technology. Except, mm. I don't think we're merely humans. My theory is we're, we're an independent race that's been formed between humans and Membari becoming one race. Mm. Because, I mean, it's, it's flimsy. Okay, he's bald. He's bald, but he's kind of. Uh, I kind of got this whole idea of this race is. Uh, they are the race of rangers because they're human and Mobari blended into one. They've called themselves rangers. And they have the ranger logo on their ship. Oh, yeah. So. I never realized it till I watched the commentary this morning that New Earth is the Vorlon homeworld. Yeah. What? Yeah, oh, Island. yes. Yeah. Yes. JMS says. Um, New Earth is the ball on Homeworld, which was actually the second ball on Homeworld. Because the original ball on Homeworld got destroyed about a million years ago, and then the Vorlons moved to a new Homeworld, which is what the ball on Homeworld is during our main timeline and where humans set off as New Earth. So humans are now either able to breathe in the same air or have the same atmosphere as the Vorlons or they they've managed to, to the only reason the only reason Vorlons created such a thick toxic atmosphere is to stop anyone from going you know from tr- even trying to attempt to live on their home world but um, didn't the, the Vorlon require um... yes they said it will be unavailable for a million years this is a million years in the future no, but I mean, uh, to get into, like, when uh, Kosh was on the station, um, Lita, they all had to have masks to yes. go into their... Yes, that's a pretense. It's a, it, it's like the... But encounter. Lita had to get gills. Yes, because it's another level of mystery around what the Volons are. The Volons don't... The Volons are energy beings. They don't need an atmosphere, a separate atmosphere to live. <laughs> didn't need to get the gills. But, but why did she have to get them? Because on the Is this Vorlons, text or are you speculating? I No, I agree it, with the 100%. Yeah. It, it's partly me speculating, but it's also partly JMS actually has said that the Vorlons artificially created a toxic, toxic atmosphere on their homeworld because they're energy beings. They don't need to breathe anyway. So I assume they need a certain kind of atmosphere to be energy in the way they want to be, right? Not necessarily. They, they we it's been shown energy beings can exist in space. So why do they even need to have a world? Because well it's easier to actually have a world to actually organize things on. It, a planet is a good bit of um real estate. It's it's essentially real estate to build things on and to develop technology on and to organize a society around even we don't we can't speculate what type of society they have but it's a good 
space to organize stuff around and it's you know it's a link to your past as well but yeah yes yeah, so we're supposed to get all this from this episode from no you're not minutes. no you're not don't worry you're not supposed to get all of this you're only supposed to get some of it and then you're supposed to get other bits of it elsewhere you're supposed to infer some of it from other things that have happened in the series when you go through it a couple of times and then the small other bits JMS, you know, says because he realises a few years later, oh yeah, I didn't put it in the series so I should say this. Mm, yeah. I uh, know it's complicated. But, so what yeah. he's saying in this episode though is that humans have evolved somehow to be able to turn into energy. Yeah. Right. Well, they would be just energy then, right? They can't, then energy cannot manifest itself in an actual physical form, right? Well, Lorian did that. Well, Lorian was, he? yes, or, he did. Or was it all an illusion? Well, it might have been an illusion, but, you know, the impression I always got was that Lorian could at will turn himself into a physical form, um, or at least a physical shell. Of mm-hmm. you know what that would actually look like. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, and then I don't get that science-wise, but yeah, I don't get it science-wise either. But that's what I always interpreted Laurie being able to do. And then when I saw what the human did here, he walked away <laughs> as a what looks like as a human, and then turned into a ball of energy and went into an encounter suit. Hmm. Yeah. So we don't know if he was actually a physical human or just some kind of projection of him. Well, right, as I said, I think the Rangers is now a race which is human and Membari. But JMS has, actually, JMS has actually said Membari are a separate first-ones race at this point, apparently. Is, but I don't buy into that theory, because but <laughs> that's my own fan theory. Uh, and the only reason that he was using the Membari suit was just to give the viewers like the link because no smart oh, yeah. race is going to use those stupid unwieldy suits they're dumb well no, no he's using a suit because he's inter this human would have gone off and interacted with the younger races but why why does did. that suit what does it need to be that suit i don't understand it's as you said it's a clear it is it's mainly for the views to say oh humans are like ballons now right so, yeah, but, overall, what was the point of this episode? Um, it's an exploration of... Yeah. I, 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 well, I, I personally love it because it's future history. And in my mind, what we see at the end, that is now. In the Babylon 5 universe, that is now. Everything else is history. That's, that's, so I went that's into very anger-inducing. I went into the series viewing... <coughs> viewing the series as a depiction of history in the Babylon 5 universe. This is, these are events that have happened rather right. than these are events that are happening. Yeah, so I, I know like when a lot of shows go off the air, part of me kind of wonders, hmm, wonder what happened to these people. I wonder what happened later on. This is kind of a little glimpse. Yeah. I know uh, this is why it splits people's views. Some people like that. And like the idea of these speculating on a larger universe and, and buying into all of this. And it can, but for other people, it can be really frustrating. 
Well, I guess it's one thing, I guess, if you do it at the very end of the series. But to do it not at the end is very interesting. Um, and I, I guess I'm one of the kind of people that doesn't like to see the future before I've seen what comes before it. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, not that it's a spoiler yeah. per se. It's so far away. But... I don't know. It just seems like it, nothing is, everything is meaningless, you know. Oh, I didn't find it meaningless. Well, no, I'm just saying for me, I, there's the, not that it, it is per se, but it, it kind of almost gives it that, okay, well, you know, we're going to show you what happens, but we already know how it turns out and, you know, everything sucks, sort of. <sighs> oh, it does I don't see this as yeah. a happy ending. I see it as very cynical. Um, it's a realistic ending. That's the thing. Really? It's a happy ending. So if it's realistic. Well, it's, real, it's realistic in terms of the Babylon 5 universe, if you get what I mean. That Humans turning into happen. Vorlons? I mean, I don't know. Energy beings, because... Energy beings, we, yes. Yeah, we, we've, we've been told... Throughout the throughout Babylon Five up to this point, is that's the ultimate form of what races become. Races eventually become energy beings. The, the, the rulers and the shadows never started out as energy beings. They became energy beings later on. Did we get all this history? I must have missed it. No, and and I, I think there's something coming up in the future that's certainly going to help. I think. Oh yes, that there is something that will help with this as well. Maybe yeah. because I've seen that other thing, I'm re- right. using that as additional information to help contextualize this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. Um. That. Right, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so in the episode with Sheridan Dulin and basically saying that. People probably won't remember them, but Delenn thinks it doesn't really matter. They just did it because it was right. Well, well it matters to her later. <laughs> yeah, she changed her mind about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the end of the episode is a little crawl on the screen dedicated to all the people who predicted that the Babylon Project would fail in its mission. Faith manages. The Giants. Which is basically an F you to all the people that <laughs> didn't think the show would make it. Yeah. Also, FU2, our previous network, who, you know, didn't allow us to make Series 5. Look, we're making Series 5! Yeah, and so there's some, apparently some writer at TV Guide who reviewed the show and heard it was supposed to be a five-year arc, and it was like, fat chance. <laughs> it was kind of directed at him as well. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, <sighs> so ultimately, even though the Earth was destroyed, because humans endure and they elevated to energy beings it was it's a success um yes yes kind okay. of you can interpret it that way if you want to other okay. people have said actually, the very very end well what happens after that is it what, uh what happens well, in a well, million years well some people have actually said it's it's kind of bad, Eddie, because the Vorlons won. People have said, oh, we're using Vorlon technologies. We're like Vorlons. That means, you know, the Vorlons ultimately won because their point of view yeah. ultimately won. I don't think so, personally. I think, yes, 
humans, these rangers, are using part of Vorlon technology to help augment their technology. But I think in terms of energy beings and being the equivalent first ones in the next stage, rangers will act very differently to what the Vorlon said. I think they'll do stuff very differently. And, and, and one thing to take note of, Elizabeth, is not all the races are making it this far. We oh, know no. the Centauri are gone at this point. So the fact that the yeah. are still there and still going uh, is a victory in some ways. Oh, we do? Yeah, Only because JMS says... No, no, only because JMS has said the Narn and the Centauri never become... never get this far. And, yeah, and, he said, I don't think he says... I think he said they didn't die out. They just never ascended to that... Um, yeah. Other... Well, in the Marcab, don't make it. We know that for a fact. And, and there's several <laughs> is that you can assume... You know, I, I don't think this is every race that gets... But what far. about the Pac Morale? Maybe, maybe I don't not. Know. I don't know. <laughs> what are they eating when they're energy beings? Um, yeah. And, you know, if there is another force out there, we don't know where that other force is from either or what, what the two agendas are. All right. Do we have any quotes? Uh, it's not really a quotey episode, apart from Brother Elwood stuff, and I don't want to exactly quote that stuff. I, I have one. I, it's the guy that becomes a Vorlon at the end, whatever we want to call him, but this is how the world ends, swallowed in fire, but not in darkness. You will live on. The voice of all of our ancestors, the voice of our fathers and our mothers to the last generation, recreated the world we think you would have wished for us, and now we leave the cradle for the last time. I like that, actually. Yeah, well, that is quite good. nice. So they have records from before the Great Burn, or is it just the ancestors? Oh, well, uh, actually, I forgot to say this. Um, the way I read it is that this level of technology, a million years later, they're not actually going through records they've got. They're using some sort of tachyon broadcast system to intercept broadcasts that were made in the past and bring them into an archive for their present a million years in the future. Interesting. That's why the record kept on breaking in and out and they only had partial records because part of it was the interference with the sun because the sun's um, rays and interference that were coming from that were interfering with the tachyon relay. JMS seemed to really like this line so much that he was quoting it along with the episode. <laughs> it says, faith and reason are the shoes on your feet. You can travel further with both than you can with just one. It's a good quote, but he, he, I kind of feel it always needs a bit of parentheses after which, of, uh, you know, within reason, so, weirdly, because he said reason and faith, but it's kind of... As long as, you know, either of those don't take too much stride or, you know, as long as, you know, as long as each of them are tempered, if you get what I mean, it's kind of, on its own, it's a nice quote, but if you start thinking about it too much, there's problems with both reason and problems and problems with faith equally. So I, that's why I don't like it as a quote. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Any other quotes? Well, I have one 
where Londo is talking about the Centauri marriage ceremonies and how they're pretty solemn and sober. And he says, once you know it can't get any worse, you can sit back and enjoy the marriage. Yeah, awkward looks. And then you've got Londo say, is this something I said? <laughs> it's everything you said. Okay, who's our human of the week? Um, <laughs> Brother Elwood? Or brother. Elwood? Yeah. yeah, Brother Elwood. Um, I'm going to go with Hologram Garibaldi. I was thinking him too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm ha- almost happy for him. Okay. Hologram Garibaldi. <laughs> Only yep. if it is Hologram Garibaldi, not just regular. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. It's Hologram Garibaldi. <laughs> I think I haven't been too big on Garibaldi this rewatch because I know what he's like in real life. <laughs> it's kind of tainted my impression of him. <laughs> well, like uh, when you watch Firefly, your opinion of Jane is tainted because... Yes. Uh, uh, Wait, what? You know, oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. I, I missed the yeah. Firefly part until my brain just caught up. Yes, yeah. yes, I know what you're talking about. I try, to, yeah. I try to separate it, but I can totally see what you mean. I haven't seen much of... You know, what's his face? Garibaldi, the actor's name. Um, yeah. But yes, but I'm just from the little tiny bits I've seen. He seems like a not the best, most pleasant person. And he's con- like a conservative talk show host. Very. Or a radio show host. Yeah. And we know how, how great those guys are. So. Uh, <laughs> Alien, then. Alien is not the land. No, I would say Ascended Ranger or Energy Being Ranger. Because they're no longer keeping by that point. The last human on Earth. The last <laughs> on Earth. <sighs> they're oh. no longer keeping at that point. Or, or Londo. Those would be my only two votes. Oh, I would go for Londo over that guy. Was he a ginger or did I just think he was a ginger? He, he had uh, a ginger beard, yeah. Oh, okay. He was bald, wasn't he? How are he they so bald. evolved and uh, they still have gingers? I'm just kidding. My family has gingers. Oh. <laughs> I come from an Irish family, okay? I'm just joking. Next episode. No, no, no. You don't understand. Gingers. He chose to appear like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Why? Why? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. I love gingers. I do too. Okay. Um, let's rate this episode. Wait, so um, who won? Was it Londo? Uh, I just put Londo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sure, this episode is bad. This, the acting is bad. The, the talking head scenes are, are bad. And yet, I give it an eight every time I see it. Um, <laughs> there's <laughs> something about it. Um, for me, this episode is always about um, Sinclair has a line in season one when he's talking to about the press and they ask him, why go out into space? And he says, one day the sun is going to blow up. And we need to go somewhere else. And I feel like this entire episode is paying off and paying a dividend for that. Um, and it's fun and it's outside the box. And I do like the fact that it shows that, that mankind goes on. Um, I really do like the monk part of it. I, I do kind of like the hologram part. So there's, there's some good stuff and, and I'm not going to lie. There's some bad stuff, but ultimately I think it's a fan of the show. Um, it, it's an eight and, and I think. It's one of those episodes where I can see a first-time watcher not liking it as much. And I think the more times you've seen this, uh, the whole series, 
I think the more you might grow to like this episode. So it's an acquired taste almost, but I still, I still love it. Awesome. Uh, Heidi gives it a 10. We'll read her comments. What? (laughs) 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 Heidi? (laughs) At two, Heidi? Okay. Yeah, I think it's at 10. Are you sure you're adding a zero? <laughs> yeah, added a zero just to make it. Uh... <laughs> no, I, oh, it would have been so great to have Heidi on because we could have like gone back and forth about our opinions of it. Um, ten out of ten talking heads. Um, Brian, what episode was that that um, Sinclair was? I remember that when he was talking he, he about was talking to the media. So whatever mm-hmm. episode that was in the very first season, mm-hmm. and they were going around interviewing people on Babylon Five. I remember that, and I want to look up. Was it Battle of the Line? Oh, that much. Um, I'm not that good. <laughs> I can't remember season one episode titles, and the rest of them they blurred together too. But that's the one thing about Babylon Five: they never create titles. Most I'll, of the time. I'll talk. Yeah. Most of the time. Because... Yeah. So, what did you make of it, Elizabeth? <laughs> Although we know. Well, no, I don't. Well, okay. Oh boy, I don't even know. Because I think Brian is correct, except for Heidi. Heidi loved it. Um, I well, first of all, I don't like the the Talking Head stuff. To me, that was pointless. Um, I get that they didn't have the budget, so I understand that. But it doesn't mean I have to like it. Um. I didn't like the acting, but in general, though, I just found this. I don't understand. Oh, I just heard myself for a second. Um, I just don't. Um, I don't understand the point. I mean, I get that he's showing us the future, but uh, I don't know. So it was interesting. I was very intrigued while watching it. You know, trying to figure out where we were going and why we were going there. Um, and what this means for Babylon 5 as it goes into its fifth season. And I'm sure we'll find out more. Um, but I don't care that the humans become energy beings, if that's what he was saying. And I don't care that the Earth is in a civil war in 500 years. Um, I don't care that Valen and the Rangers and Delenn become uh, mystical or, you know, religious type figures. It doesn't really matter to me because what matters to me is what happens in the story we're telling with the characters we're telling them it about. Um, and unless it, it comes and factors back into what the story we've been telling with the people we've been telling, unless it's this future comes and reverberates, through the current story we're telling to me, it's just extraneous. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Okay. So me, the way I personally um, feel about episodes like that. Um, so I don't know. This is a hard one because it, it was interesting and, you know, I think it was fairly ambitious, I guess, in a way. Um, but I, I didn't really enjoy it really the second time because I don't know, just none of it. I really cared that much about. So um, I'm just going to give it um, 
five um, Candyman. Okay. Candyman to Lynn. Uh, hey, uh, guys, <laughs> I have an episode. It's from Infection, and the quote is, no, we have to stay here, and there's a simple reason why. Ask 10 different scientists about the environment, population control, genetics, and you'll get 10 different answers. But there's one thing every scientist on the planet agrees upon. Whether it happens in 100 years or 1,000 years or a million years, eventually our sun will grow cold and go out. When that happens, it won't just take us. It will take Marilyn Monroe and Zeng Tao and Einstein, uh, Buddy Holly, er, er, I can't pronounce my Greek, and all of this. All of this was for nothing unless we go to the stars. I The reason I asked was because I remember getting upset about the science of that line. And I wanted to know if he, he did say a million years. And he did. That's so funny because that's <laughs> what he used as the sun going away, in a sense, in this episode. Um, yeah, but remember Sheridan is bailing, so maybe he... He had some sort of prophecy that the sun would actually explode in a million years. Oh, Sinclair, yeah, he he knew. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I, I know that uh, this is my rating is not like, you know, the best for p- fans of the show. And, and maybe you're right, Brian. Maybe I'll come back to it after I see season five and totally change my mind. So hopefully that's the case. I wouldn't say after season five. I would say after season five and then watching all the way through for season one again. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, so, it might be a while. because you pick up other things on a re- rewatch that feed it back into it as well. But uh, it's my time for my rating, I suppose. But I'm biased. I'm completely biased on this one. As I've said, this was the very first episode of Babylon 5 I saw. And I was hooked by the character, the taste of the characters you got in this. I was hooked by the fact that this is showing me a future history of these are events in the future of this universe. What leads up to this? What creates the these people? What, what, how does this come to be? It, that's Those were all my thoughts when I was seeing this, and then at the end I saw humans become energy beings. That's so cool! Um, kind of thought when I saw it, and it's it has its problems. It really does, but I I really enjoy it. And it, it for me, it's it's kind of at the core of how I see Babylon Five. It, Babylon Five is the future of a universe. It's a history of a universe. It's a history of a formative period in that universe, and. I and as such, it's integral to everything else, and I I really do love it despite its flaws. And it's as I said, it's microcosm of Babylon Five as a whole. whole Babylon Five as a whole has its flaws, but I love it. And because of that, I can't give it anything less than ten out of ten first time viewings. I can't. All right. Well. I've said that before that this is my favorite episode of the entire series, and I was wondering if it would hold up this time around, and for the most part it did. I figured I would have some problems with the Delin entrance and maybe with Garibaldi, but I still uh, very much enjoy the episode. Just getting a glimpse into the future of the universe and how things turn out. Um, I know I've said with other episodes that, you know, it's not the best or not my favorite, but there's nothing wrong with it. So I gave those a 10. 
This is my favorite and it does have some problems, so I can't give it quite a 10. I will give it 9 out of 10, uh, energy beings. <laughs> yeah, energy beings. Cool. So that gives it an 8.4 for the episode and that pushes season four ahead of season three for, for the total rating. Okay. I thought it would. I thought this episode would, you know, probably would push season four ahead. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, by three-tenths of a point, well, two-tenths of a point, sorry. Yeah, but it really is close. It, it always is, you know. Season three and season four, people go back and forth on that all the time. It's hard, like, if you're, if I was just thinking about which one I liked better, it's hard to say. Um, yeah, like well. I feel like maybe three, maybe. Three's more exciting. Uh, four gives you more answers and conclusions. Hmm. Four has a big lull in the middle, too. And then you know, season five is its own entity on its own because it's what happens after you've got all the answers. As a viewer. <laughs> well, let's get in our... Well, let's first turn into energy beings mm. and get into our encounter suits and head off to feedback land. Hey! We got a buttload of feedback this week. Oh, is it one buttload or more than one uh, buttload? It's actually like a buttload and a half. I wow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to keep it. I have like 25 minutes. <coughs> um, first, we have late feedback on Rising Star from Lori and Carl. I will read this one. They say, sorry, this is belated, but just cannot skip this one. Our commentary. I guess in is back. They must have put Clark's body... Because last episode, they, they must have put back Clark's body because last episode they had taken it out. Carl feels like they both might be, they both bite, <laughs> Carl feels like they both might live regarding Marcus and Ivanova. Regarding Franklin's talking about the machine, actually we just thought Marcus did a, just did a Google search for the machine. Nothing's ever really deleted from the internet. That's true. Ivanova's scene with Franklin was really well done, not only very well acted, but Carl appreciated how humor was mixed into it. It was a much more realistic portrayal for dealing with tragedy and was very true to her personality. Once Londo would have been overjoyed to be Emperor, but not anymore. Carl really appreciated seeing Londo's character development. Now he is enjoying Jakar's company, but now wanting the power, not wanting the power. Maybe it is because he has seen his own death on the throne, but I feel like he has also changed <laughs> on the throne. Sorry. <laughs> um, oops, place. um, Bester, had you all thought any more about his girlfriend and whether or not she had been used on the ships? So are we to understand that all the telepaths on the ships died or were mentally destroyed? We love Londo. Sheridan is the one with the power as he has the alien governments behind him. Carl thinks there is no way the Earth Ghost should be able to tell him what to do. On Mars, not very bright kidnappers. We want one of those little exploding boxes. <laughs> Garibaldi and Lise together at last. Does anyone really care? I know I did. <laughs> Aww. At least someone did. Unrequited love. Poor Lanier. Do you all think that Delin knows? Apparently Ivanova did. Hmm. I think Delin knows. Yeah, and she yeah. sort of teased him about it. We won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Weird to see Sheridan back in the gray uniform. Carr really likes the black uniforms. Did you all see that the President Luchinko is sitting next to Sheridan at 27 minutes, 4 seconds, while she is also giving the speech? Editing error. I did. Cost, 
likely caused by the white screen view we have now. The Rangers White Star Fleet, very impressive show of force, somewhat of a veiled threat. Carl really liked what that they would be right on hand for Sheridan. Sheridan gets to keep the black uniform. Earth is only now getting to realize that Sheridan has the power. Quote, paraphrase, Ivanova, and I thought, is that God? He really does have an English accent, just like in those old movies. Lando and Jakar, Rice, and if it were any good, do you think people would be throwing it? And Lando, so how does it feel to make history, hmm? Jakar, you, don't not make, you do not make history, you only have to survive it. Um, Loris Redding, 9.5 out of 10, Spying Eyes, Human, Ivanova, Alien, Lando, Jakar, Duo. Calls ratings. A lot happened in the episode, but it was done very well. Would have been a good series finale. Rating three bittersweet endings. Ship, fleet of rising stars. Set, entrance hall with marble floor. Species, interplanetary alliance to new beginnings. Human, stupid mafia guy who thought the colored box with the red button. <laughs> <laughs> Death, Marcus, R.I.P. Plot foreshadowing for Lundo and Jakar sitcom spinoff. We would so watch that. Wooing slash relationship, Delenn and Sheridan. Flora, wavy plant things. (laughs) Comedic and deeply disturbing moment, Jakar's eye. Tragic moment, um, Ivanova's speech. Actor, Claudia Christian. What would Sinclair do? Retire for good. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So we have an email from a new listener. I hope it's okay if I call you Sammy from Finland. It's very long, so I broke it up into parts that we maybe can tag team on it. Or... Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll um, take the first part then. <laughs> Greetings, Sam, below podcast. This is a longish email with both generic feedback and then an episode feedback for the deconstruction of Falling Stars. In the generic stuff, there are a couple of paragraphs that might be considered spoilerish. So, in and will use your discretion whether you share all of it with Heidi and Beth. First, the generic stuff. I've been a huge purple of five pounds since '95, when I first started watching the show from the halfway of season, the second season, in the University Science Fiction Club. Two years before the show started on Finnish TV, it was immediately apparent that the Star Trek, the, that this, that, sorry, um, apparent that Star Trek, this ain't. Big things happen and they're not forgotten. I got, I caught up on the first series and a half as soon as I got hands on some VHS tapes. Tapes in the mail. That was the way of it in the 1990s. All the memories. Because I started from the second season, Sinclair has always been the other guy for me. Even though I really liked the character, I always thought Michael Hyatt didn't deserve the flack he got for his acting. The character is very calm and reserved, and should be played accordingly. For a long time, I also liked the concept of someone watching the show for the first time and documenting the process. Years ago, I read a couple of Finnish blogs where one guy watched Buffy and another watched Babylon 5 for the first time, and I totally loved how the cynicism and mixed expectations 
in the beginning turned into fanboyism before the end of the second season. At least some of you have been listening to a British podcast, Braving Babylon 5, where where Babylon 5 is being watched for the first time. Several of the feedbacks have been heard on it. Yeah, I think I remember. Um, Unfortunately, the pace of that project is quite slow. Less than two episodes a month. So I'm happy I found something more in the same vein that I can finish in less than five years. Okay, I'm pausing there for a second to let you know that there are plenty of other Babylon 5 rewatches out there as well. There's the Babel On, which is two words, Babel On podcast. Uh, they're finished now. Um, there's um, a podcast, I think it's the introduction to Babylon 5, where they've all seen it, but um, they break for spoilerific stuff at the end of the podcast. They go through the wormhole to spoilerific section. And then there's a, another intro um, Babylon 5 cast that I've only just found out called Jumpgate. One of those people on there is a newbie. Um, however, it's a little bit more spoilery um, in some places because they kind the uh, new person figures out what's going on and they're at the early stages of season three at the moment but if you want more Babylon 5 podcasts go and search those and then of course there's the original Babylon podcast from a few years ago just so that you know there's plenty of podcasts out there but back to the email <laughs> okay I just found Babylon podcast late last year and I've been catching up ever since Consuming a few episodes every week from the very beginning, listening to every episode and every commentary, because with Babylon 5, there's no other way for me. As I'm writing this, I've just listened to all without end. The half-joke, a million years in the future prediction in the commentary made me almost fall out of my spare chair, especially considering deconstructions. I had been thinking about rationing down below from now on. I don't want to run out of episodes. Glad I noticed recordings are actually a bit ahead of the releases and I may not have to slow down much after all. I'm sending this email now because I hope not. I hope to make it to deconstruction feedback. It will be months before I get to hear this feedback myself though. I'm not watching the show along now, except for commentary episodes. Back in the day, I watched most of the episodes five to ten times. Some of my favourites a lot more. And last summer, I did my first complete rewatch in about 15 years. Still enjoying it immensely. A couple of weeks ago, I did the same for the Ill-Fated Crusade. Um, and since the original airings, I've read all the canon novels short stories and unproduced uh, crusade scripts and whether JMS has said and whatever JMS has said about his new plans um, and um, maybe this crusade stuff we'll save for if we cover crusade um, well what do you think should, should we just it's only a sentence but I actually know I'll go into it <laughs> now for the pain of crusade it annoys me even more than it did back in '99. Uh, what, knowing what might have been, there was great potential under all the production problems. 
in general, I love the commentaries, except that talking while watching for the first time usually is a distraction that makes you miss the important things and probably ruins the atmosphere. I really wish the Newbreeze didn't do commentaries for the series finale. This one episode has been taken without distractions. Um, also, the commentary might be mostly just sounds of sobbing. Yeah, I'm a man in my 40s, and I can admit that it makes me cry almost every single time. Well, Sammy, I hope you didn't listen to the commentary for the for the finale. Because <laughs> it would really annoy you, because we're doing we missed stuff all the time on the commentaries, and especially this one, we sure missed a lot. Uh, part two of Sammy's email, you want to take that down? <laughs> sure. Um, in spoiler commentaries, uh, you have the infamous speed problem. The problem arises because NTSC and PAL regions have different playback speed. Material shot on film is sped up by about 4% for PAL regions. For example, when I listen to Heidi's and Beth's commentaries, I speed them up by 4% to match the speed of my PAL DVDs, and timing matches well enough. If commentaries can't be recorded with the same video source, e.g. same DVD version or same video file, someone should speed up or slow down their playback speed when watching with the computer. Some players can do it, and that would fix the problem. I'm sure you've heard of it, but there were some definite editing accidents in the first season of Down Below. In Soul Hunter and a couple of other episodes, there was music from Sleeping in Light, and it's one theme that at least I don't want to hear out of context. There's so Um, much emotional... Yeah, I know. Sorry, I know I'm interrupting you there. Yeah, that is what something I did early on, and yeah, I realised um, although it's a great little bit of music to use for predictions, I stopped using it quickly afterwards because of its connotations. And yeah, it's sorry, sorry about that. Okay, I'm gonna skip this part this last part because um because it's about the the music yeah Yeah, ian could read it um looks like you're going to watch movies in their approximate original airing places this is something i would not recommend i would move all of them except perhaps in the beginning after the series finale in my opinion only in the beginning and a call to arms or you know what maybe we should i should skip this part i don't want to get um yeah um just for myself. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be careful yeah. with editing. If I were you, actually edit this last bit out, just in case other newbies are listening. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see where we can begin again. Um, a yeah, a couple of random notes. Okay. Um, a couple of random notes on episodes I've listened to lately. There were no episode order problems with interludes and examinations. It was aired exactly where it should be. Instead, it was walkabout and war without end that were swapped because of P10's unfathomable policy to postpone last episodes of the season until the start of the next season. This way, both parts of war without end could be aired before a two-month hiatus. By the way, originally the first part of war without end actually should have ended in just-in-time-to-die cliffhanger, just like you hoped it would be in the discussion. However, the place had to be moved, as with a voice in the wilderness. Originally, Drawl was supposed to appear in Part 1 to do the Babylon 4 exposition dump with Delenn, but the actor was unavailable after having landed a role on Broadway. JMS didn't want to recast Drawl again, so the first part had to be slightly adjusted. 
After the second part was getting too long, many scenes were moved around, and stuff was moved from part one to part two. Also, the kiss was originally in the act break, making it a bigger deal. Michael O'Hara was supposedly much happier than in the first season, so his medication was probably working. He was purposefully given the star role of the episode, giving the character grandiose send-off. The story that Jerry Doyle didn't want to work with O'Hare sounds very plausible. Doyle had publicly trash-talked O'Hare, saying he was a lunatic, which fits O'Hare having mental issues that weren't widely known. And part three of Sammy's email. And now for feedback for the deconstruction of Falling Stars, one of my favorite B5 episodes. Hope I made it in time. I'm still catching up in the third season of Down Below episodes, so I don't know how much Will and Ian have talked about the P10 situation and its effect on the fourth season and weird production order after moving to TNT. If everything had gone as JMS had planned, this episode would have never happened. Then again, episodes like this wouldn't even be possible if JMS hadn't planned the universe timeline a million years to each direction. Even though Deconstruction is the fourth season finale, and definitely designed and written as such, it was quickly produced with TNT as the first episode of the fifth season to be aired as the last episode of the fourth season on P10. Simple? This is also why it includes a dedication about how B5 survived its full five-season run against all odds. Dedication is aimed specifically, at, especially at someone at TV Guide whose reaction to five-year art concept was fat chance. Somehow that dedication text is included on the, at least the PAL DVDs while opening credits are incorrect. Another proof of how shoddy job B5 DVD mastering was. Oh, yeah. There are no active plot threads that really could be used as a cliffhanger because new ones haven't been introduced when it looked very unlikely there would be a fifth season. Original se season cliffhanger was just a few episodes earlier, intersections in real time. Now JMS needed something new. One of the main things of B5 is that actions have consequences. So this episode is all about future history, showing the consequences of the actions of the main characters and what inter the Interstellar Alliance managed to achieve. This episode is very minimalistic, mostly just talking heads and almost no music. Every time when I start to watch the episode, I wonder why I used to love it so much. By the end of the second segment, I always remember. The emotional impact of the episode is just so strong, at least for me. It's also the second episode directed by Stephen First, and another somewhat limiting off-format one, much to First's disappointment. In the Garibaldi hostage scene, there's again that device JMS loves to use to tell where the story is going, but not the full context or how to get there. It's very much like telling in the very first episode about Londo and Jakar strangling each other, and then showing a bit of it in Londo's dream, but still not telling what it's about. My favorite segment is definitely 1,000 years, when the Interstellar Alliance and the Rangers are working subtly to get Earth back on its feet. Brother Alwyn is such a wonderful character. In the commentary, JMS joked about making a full series with this concept. He had some doubts about this segment, though, because the monks preserving knowledge is very similar to a post-apocalyptic sci-fi novel called A Canticle for Leibowitz. Hmm. That's an interesting title. Yeah, I was supposed to read that book with one of my book clubs, but I skipped it before I get back to it. Um, then the million years in the future segment is the bomb. Specifically, our sun does not have enough mass to go Nova, and it should last billions of years anyway. So the Nova in only a million years must have been artificially caused. Luckily, humans have evolved to the next first ones. 
Even the ship, which also has Ranger insignia, resembles organic Borlon technology. In the end, it's very positive. There's hope for humanity after all. Also, remember how Jason Ironheart said, I'll see you in a million years after becoming? Yeah, but mm. it, that's interesting because the form Ironheart took is very different from the form future humans took, so that's going to be very interesting. <laughs> Rating 10 out of 10, next first one's favorite human, brother Alwyn, favorite alien. Next step in evolution a million years in the future, can't really consider him human anymore. Hmm. Favorite quote, uh, the one about this is how the world ends, and signs off, Faith manages Sammy from Finland. Thank you, Sammy. Thanks so much. Yeah, and I hope all those podcasts I recommend help. Next email is from Melanie. Um, Will, when do you have to get off? Um, Like in three minutes, but I mean, I'll just... Um, well, we you can know, continue we could reading these when we record next week for the the season. Oh, I can't record next week anyway. I'm just gonna say that. Oh. Um, oh, and I can I can't record the the week after. Definitely not. Um, but I'll get I'll catch up with the editing. Um, we could do these at the start uh, or finish of um, what's it our series overview. Yeah, you're gonna do a season four recap. Yeah, at some point in the future. Maybe <laughs> a good spot to do it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. Yeah, we can save the emails for then. Yeah, we'll finish this, our feedback in our recap episode. Um, so, yeah, Brian, thank you for coming. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Always thank you so much, and I can't wait oh. for season five. And yeah, yeah, it's been great having you on, and I hope you sign up for an episode in season five. Well, I, I got a good one for season five. I'm excited. <laughs> Okay, Yay. I can't remember what it is, but I'll. I'm sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah. so that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with a season four recap. And until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you. Stroke off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com. Facebook.com slash group slash down below podcast and Twitter.com slash down below cast.